Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Uh, please read, rate, and review the podcast, but most importantly... Share it via Twitter, share it via text, share it however you can. We really appreciate keep the numbers up. So um, got a little special uh, uh, part of the podcast a little bit later on. Big Kurt, you want to explain? Yeah, this is pretty exciting. We've got a nice guest on today. We've got Dustin Schutte from Saturday Tradition, a great website, a Big Ten-centric website. So, you know, gets along well with, with guys like you and me. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite follows on Twitter. I don't yep. know about you. Definite follow if you're a Big Ten fan. Um, little little uh, uh, hot tub time machine or uh, back to the future. We actually already recorded the interview. Isn't that crazy, people? We're, that is we're, true. We're letting you behind the, uh, the curtain right. here. That's right. Um, but he gives a little bit of uh, background from Big Ten Media Days. I think you guys are going to want to stick around and catch that out. Um, we'll get into a little bit of housekeeping items. I'm just going to do my little... Uh, priming college football opening weekend here. Yeah, let's get into it. I man. want to do it every podcast and I forget pretty much every other podcast. I, you know, I, it seems like on Twitter we don't get as many reminders about how many days, but I think we're <laughs> one I think we're 20 days now, I believe. It's just it is, under 3 weeks. I, I mean, the the unofficial start of summer ending is when the Hall of Fame game happens. As, as sure. much as we bag on the point. NFL and pre like I stop watching it literally within two series. But it's it is it is awesome to watch the Hall of Fame game to see live football. Yeah, the only reason I was actually kind of watching is there's an Illinois player on sure. Atlanta, so I wanted to see him. Yeah. But for me, I don't care about these damn countdowns. My season has already begun. Yeah. Camp because Camps. Illinois started camp on Friday. Absolutely, I so think that goes. Season's for underway. Yep. I still have hope. My dreams haven't been shattered and destroyed before my very eyes yet. Right. right. So I'm loving life right now. Um, so we've already kind of already gave you the Thursday night games to look out for that that Thursday night uh, open of the of the week one week zero sure. is before that. Obviously, really good. We also did uh, Friday. So here's here's the Saturday. So the first full Saturday, um, eleven o'clock games. Maybe a little bit light. But I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a bone here that you got the two t- toggle games for the Big Ten Illinois Akron and uh, Indiana Ball State okay. so um, that's eleven o'clock the two thirty afternoon games heats up a little bit okay. here I mean number one for me without a doubt Stanford Northwestern oh that that's gonna be a good one going to be crazy to watch well because you know Northwestern always starts out as a dumpster fire right 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 and then they got to travel to the west coast but I don't think Stanford is supposed to and that's why I think Stanford preseason getting ranked I think that's more out of just eh, let's put Stanford in there than what we're actually looking at but that's gonna be a great one so that's and then another kind of interesting afternoon game out of the Big Ten a little bit but South Carolina North Carolina it just doesn't seem like a game that's played a whole bunch that's not a bad one that's yeah. Intriguing to me. Yeah. I think I'll be paying attention to that. I mean, one. neither one of those teams expected to be good, but right. a little ACC, SEC, uh, intersectional battle there. Uh, then the evening games, um, quite a few uh, Big Ten teams play, or a couple of Big Ten teams playing. Michigan and Iowa playing, uh, you know, games that they're expected to win. Then UVA Pitt, so Virginia Pitt, uh, two teams that have uh, uh, been up in the, the ACC division. Craziest thing to me. If I, I'm I, I'm rooting for this, I'm rooting for Virginia to win because okay. you know why? No, 
if Virginia wins the division, the ACC division, okay. I, I think it's Atlantic. I can I, I can, can never, never remember. No. And I'm <laughs> not never, going to that learn that either. That is whole, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Let's not even try. I don't want to learn it. Let's call it the Atlantic, I guess. Um, it is, you know, I, I think it's the Coastal. If Virginia wins, each team in that division mm-hmm. will have won the division in consecutive years. They've had a different oh, winner. No kidding. And if Virginia wins, they're the, the one left. They're the one left. And oh, most people cool. have them favored to win, too. Which wow, is that'd be crazy. awesome. And then you get the, the Pac 12 after dark. Yep. Fresno State, USC. Not Ooh. bad. Not bad. Yeah, that's not, a good not, one. Not a bad one to fall asleep. Flashback to the the Reggie Bush days. Yes. Remember that yeah, game? Yeah, I just saw highlights on Twitter yeah. of that. Uh, all right, so that kind of gets us through the primer. Do you want to get into uh, housekeeping? Housekeeping? No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping? Yeah, so the Big Ten Network announced their bus tour schedule. Okay. Their, their camp bus tour. So they're starting in Bloomington, Indiana. All right. Heading up to Seabus, Ohio. Then to College Park, continuing east to Piscataway, then back to State College, then they're heading to the the Michigans, East Lansing, then Ann Arbor, then they drop down to Purdue, go up to Wisconsin, from there they head up to the Twin Cities and and jump in the boat for PJ Fleck, then they drop down to Nebraska, Iowa City, Champaign, and finally. Evanston, not to be confused with Chicago, but Evanston, <laughs> Illinois. They're either going to start with Illinois and Northwestern sure. and Iowa or end with Illinois and Northwestern and Iowa. But I think That's they traditionally end with them. Yeah. They like to get them on the backside. Yeah. Heads uh, to, and, and I do enjoy those. I, I try oh, to I love them. everyone. Yeah. I, um, another podcast talks about this. I, I, I think a lot of Big Ten fans, if you're Digging, are looking into those when they break down the teams. You're trying to read between the yes, lines. They're not going to come out and say, "No, holy crap, their offensive line is a dumpster fire." Would, by but, the way, wouldn't it be hilarious it would be if Donardo said that? Yeah, yeah, but instead he says, "Great effort, way to go, guys." <laughs> See, there you go. Yeah. That, that, and then you know, oh, things aren't looking so good in the old right. line. Yeah, but it is definitely a, a read between the lines type of thing. But I enjoy it. Yep. Okay, this one was interesting. Alex Hornibrook, transfer quarterback from Wisconsin down to uh, Florida State. He tweeted out that he's never been around, or I'm sorry, it was an interview. It was an interview. It wasn't a tweet. Uh, Never been around a group of wide receivers that loved football so much. (laughs) What an a-hole tweet, first of all, isn't it? (laughs) Especially coming from, what, by the way, Hornibrook gonna Hornibrook. Hornibrook gonna Hornibrook, yeah. There is, we we know, we've talked about the behind-the-scene rumors. Yeah. Uh, the girlfriend was involved. A, a, and I don't a, think it's even a rumor. It's, I think it, it's, it's pretty it's much It's a known true. thing. It was a nasty divorce between Hornibrook yes. and Wisconsin. Why continue it on? Why be a D-bag like well, that? And he ended up looking like a D-bag because Danny Davis, their current wide receiver, he tweeted out, boy, stop. Kendrick Pryor, LOL, Scotty Nelson, the safety. Dang, buddy is still concussed. <laughs> That was great, man. <laughs> All good. right, so good news in the State College, Maryland. Keandre Jones, linebacker, transfer from Ohio State, is immediately eligible to play for Locks this this year. So that's a huge – he's a former four-star guy. He's from Maryland. Yeah, I love seeing these guys get their <laughs> waivers. That's <laughs> way I was waiting. <laughs> okay, and finally, bad news out of the Twin Cities. Zach Anikstead is out indefinitely with an undisclosed foot injury. 
And it sounds like it's pretty serious. Yeah, I mean, no, nobody's PJ hasn't come out and said flat out, but it sounds like a broken foot, a something because it, it didn't seem like there was much daylight left in there for his return. No, my guess is he will not be playing this year. I don't think that really changes their season projection as long as Tanner Morgan doesn't get injured. Yeah. But the great thing they had go, going for him is two really good quarterbacks or at least serviceable quarterbacks. You know, one gets injured, the other one steps up. They don't have that luxury anymore. No, um, depth is obviously a real deal in any, you know, football program, Big Ten especially. Um, I would say that the position where there is a the biggest drop-off between one and two is quarterback. So now uh, Minnesota is kind of in the same boat. Pardon the pun, I'd even try to do that. Um, as most teams in <laughs> well, the Big Ten, uh, that you know the drop from one and yeah. two is a big deal. What I had pointed out on Twitter, and I actually got roasted by a couple Gopher fans, which was kind of okay. fun. But uh, I had said, you know, maybe this is a good thing. Um, yeah. The winning streak at the end of the year was under Tanner Morgan. Also, yeah. and this is just my thing. Okay, it's gonna be it's it's probably gonna be next year at Iowa. There's going to be a quarterback battle. I hate quarterback battles. They sure. make, they give me a crappy feeling in the bottom of my stomach. Yeah, you want to know who the guy is. Yeah, I want and I want the team to know who the guy is so they right. know who their leader is. Every football team that sure. I've been on that's been a good football team knew who the leader was at yeah. at quarterback or at least on the team. Um when we were at the practice uh this spring, um I thought Anixed's arm looked better, but Morgan looked more accurate and I, I don't know. I mean, okay. I I I I, I think Gopher fans were expecting and wanting Anikstead. Maybe this is a blessing in disguise that you get the guy that you might actually be better for the offense. Well, he certainly was last year. Now, Anikstead dealt with injuries last year, too, right? So we don't know that he was at 100%. But, yeah, um, Tanner Morgan was the better quarterback between the two last year. I did expect a pretty big jump with Anikstead this year. And I also thought... Despite it being a quarterback battle, I think PJ knew that he wanted Anikstet to be okay. his guy. Okay. Because that is the guy that fits what he wants to do. A strong-armed, pro-style quarterback. Don't uh, you agree? Uh, I mean, look at Zach Terrell at Western Michigan. Yeah. I do see it. That's actually a good point. Yeah. Um, you don't need a big arm to throw slants. Uh, Touche. They, yeah. they run a lot of them in Minneapolis. Um, I think I might be able to complete a couple slants to Tyler Johnson. Yeah, I'd like to see that. <laughs> I think you might surprise yourself at how bad of a ball you would throw. Okay. Hey, there was a time. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we'll see how that shakes out in Minnesota. Well, that's it. That's, that's all we it. got for housekeeping. Okay. Um, well, uh, the one thing I would say is that uh, Big Kurt and I have completed our, our in-depth look at all 14 teams. This yep. will be our last podcast that is a general interview kind of outside. We right. are going to break into our, our team podcasts. Some po podcasts that might have two, some might have three. We're still kind of working yeah, through that. Two to three teams two to per, three cast. Team per, per podcast with yeah. a little bit of uh, housekeeping items. Yeah. And the one thing I would point out is uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. Everybody puts out their predictions for, I mean, some of these predictions have been coming out since like June. Yeah. Um, we're sandbagging and I feel great about that. Because no, I don't. I, I, and, I, and, I, and I've been thinking about it for weeks and then Annex that goes down. I'm like, yeah. this is exactly why I don't want right. to go on record picking who I want because we're probably still one or two suspensions or injuries Correct. away before the season starts. I never like making my prediction for Illinois 
until the day before the season. Last That's minute. when I make my yep. prediction. And that will be our last podcast of the quote-unquote offseason will be when we have our prediction before we go into the, the Correct. That one that week. Yes. So, okay. All right, so let's get into it. We got uh, Dustin Schutte, interview with uh, Dustin from SaturdayTradition.com. So let's uh, get into that now. All right, we're honored here today to have Dustin Schutte from Saturday Tradition as our guest on the Eyes on Big podcast. Uh, you can find Dustin on Twitter, at Tradition, and at Schutte CFB. Welcome to the show, Dustin. Hey, guys. It's an honor to be here. I love your podcast, and uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. All right, so you have a website, Saturday Tradition, that you've been running since 2015. Is that right? Yep. I actually joined the staff in 2016, um, okay. but the site was launched in 2015. So I'm just one year removed from the uh, official launch of the website. Okay, and Saturday Tradition is a big, mostly a Big Ten-focused web page. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, we, our primary focus is Big Ten football. We've uh, kind of creeped into the basketball and a little bit of the baseball, especially with how well Michigan did this postseason. But most of the stuff you're going to find on our site is all 14 teams from the Big Ten, top to bottom, each and every week. Okay, great. So how did you become such a Big Ten fan, and what got you started into this? Yeah, so it all started actually when I was growing up. I grew up in uh, Logan Sport, Indiana, and it's uh, about an hour drive from West Lafayette, which is where Purdue was. Uh, and my dad at the time worked in Lafayette. So, you know, we used to get season tickets and uh, to Purdue games. And so at the time, that was when, as you guys probably remember, Purdue was really good. You know, Drew Brees, they go to the Rose Bowl. They have all these talent, the Joe Tiller days. So that's where I kind of grew this love of football. And it wasn't just going to the games. It was, you know, outside at the tailgates and, you know, just taking in the atmosphere because at the time, you know, most of those games were sellout crowds and you're talking about going and tailgating from 10 a.m. until, you know, for some of the big 10 games, 3.30 or 7 o'clock at night. So that's just been kind of uh, my passion since, I don't know, maybe 10, 11 years old when we went to those uh, Purdue games. And a good story here, too, is that, uh, you know, it kind of came full circle because I met my wife at a Purdue tailgate um about five i think now six years ago now that we're in 2019 so um it's always been part of my life always loved uh, going to the games always loved the tradition the passion the tail especially the tailgating the food uh it's just that's just always been a part of uh, my life since i was a little kid so it's starting to be kind of a throwback to those old days right now with uh, jeff brahm at the helm in west lafayette yeah he's doing some things with the purdue offense that you know resemble what Joe Tiller did. And, and you talk about kind of how he invented the uh, spread offense basketball on grass and brought it to the Big Ten. And now you're kind of seeing Jeff Brom do that. The The only difference now is, you know, everybody in the Big Ten seems to be going a similar route or, or you know, with Ohio State and Nebraska and Scott Frost and those guys. So it's a lot of fun to watch Purdue. And I think they're going to have a, a bright future ahead, especially with some of the talent he's able to bring in. Speaking of fun to watch, have you been able to get around to a decent amount of stadiums in the Big Ten to, to check out some different venues? So my total in the Big Ten is actually only at three, and it's okay. Illinois, Purdue, and Indiana right now. I've also been to Lucas Oil Stadium for uh, the Purdue-Louisville opener a few uh, years ago uh, for to cover for Saturday Tradition. And then I've been to three SEC stadiums. So I've got to get that Big Ten total up. Sure. Uh, in order to uh, you know to slight the SEC a little bit, we'd like to take a shot at them if you can. 
So you live in the SEC footprint now, is that correct? I do. I live in uh, Kennesaw, Georgia. We moved from Lafayette. After we got married, we moved to Orlando, Florida. And then from Orlando, my wife got a job at Kennesaw State University. And so now we're here in Kennesaw, Georgia. And I I have to admit that the food here is tremendous. (laughs) If you love food, we're, we're probably 20 miles outside of Atlanta. And everything we've had around here is just fantastic. So... So living in SEC country, do they make you wear a scarlet B for Big Ten on your clothing just to differentiate differentiate you from everybody else? You know what's funny is we we live in Kennesaw, right? So when Justin Fields was transferring from Georgia, I had a hat that was gifted to me, and I think it was supposed to be just like a Big Ten championship game hat, but it was actually Big Ten champions hat with like the Ohio State logo on the side. So I decided to wear that out in public here in Kennesaw because Justin Fields is from Kennesaw. Okay. <laughs> so I tried to wear that out to see if I could stir up any reaction just to get fans ticked off, <laughs> but it didn't work. Either they didn't pay attention <laughs> or they didn't care one way or the other. But I thought I would try to ruffle some feathers here, but it just didn't work. Okay, well, I know I've been following you on Twitter for a few years now, and you always stuck out to me as one of the better follows. Uh, you, uh, you attended Big Ten Media Days. So as our listeners know, we both got credentials. We're not able to go, so we're insanely jealous of you. But we loved that tweet. We mentioned it before. You tweeted out the Big Ten, uh, the coaches' power rankings for who brings fire to the podium. Number one was Tom Allen. Number two was P.J. Fleck. Three was Fitzgerald. Four to 13, you said, I don't even care. And then 14 was Paul Crest. Yeah. (laughs) We love that. (laughs) That got so much more attention than I figured. I was like... I think it was around the last weekend in July, there was nothing going on. I was like, I'm just going to tweet this out because I feel like it's it's necessary at this point. And it got a lot more attention than I thought it would. But, you know, I was actually asked that on a SiriusXM radio interview, too, I did uh, just a few days ago. And they were shocked by because you guys were shocked, right, that it wasn't Fleck. He wasn't at the number one spot. Right. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and everyone says that, but... When you listen to Tom Allen talk, no, not so much when he's in front of everybody, but he just picks up so much steam. He's his mouth is like like a engine, like a train engine, because <laughs> as he continues that to talk about Indiana football, he just gets more and more passionate. He's slamming the tables. He's his uh, tempo picks up. It's just it's fun to watch. And you leave there and you're just like, oh, I'm ready for football season now. You can, you can take the defensive coordinator out of the position, but yeah. you can't take that out of the guy. Yeah, that's 100% true. Whereas, you know, <laughs> like a guy like Fleck, he just he, – he's energetic, but it's not like – I don't – there's just a difference there. Like Fleck brings energy, and he kind of tells a story sometimes, whereas Tom Allen's just like, Indiana football, Indiana football. We're, we're going undefeated. Mm-hmm. We're going to beat Ohio State. It's contagious. So for me, it wasn't so much that you picked Tom Allen. It's just – like, from me watching Media Days, you nailed that. Like, that was exactly my thoughts. I could have tweeted the same thing. I just wasn't smart enough to do it. Right. And there was, uh, there was somebody there that was, you know, said Paul Christ was happy to be here. And it, that could not have been further from the truth. Yeah. There, <laughs> he was not happy to be there. I can agree with you there. So, and then but, you, you look at some of those other guys, too, and it's just the, – the, part that they show on big 10 network the 10 to 15 minutes is just such coach speak that and a lot of those guys have been there done that before that it's just they don't bring much to the and that's fine they don't have to but it's just it's just kind of the same thing you get with every question well so i'm glad you mentioned that so you know on on big 10 uh, network you see kind of the the filtered version 
So can you tell us maybe something behind the scenes that you didn't see on Big Ten Network? Well, I could tell you that as soon as Pat Fitzgerald got off the stage, he was walking. I was like on the end, and I'm motioning with my hands, although nobody can see me. I was sitting near the end, and it's right where the coaches walk up to get to the podium where they come back to go back to the hallway or wherever they're going. And when Pat Fitzgerald got done, he was trying to, I don't know if he was trying to fire us up like we were his team and he was giving us a pep talk. But as soon as he came out, he was like, oh, my God, you guys are like kryptonite. Holy shnikes. (laughs) And I'm almost, it was loud enough so everybody in the room could hear it. I'm almost surprised that the mics at Big Ten Media Days didn't pick it up on Big Ten Network, but I'm sure they were far enough away. Okay, Uh, so I saw the tweets of that. So he said that off mic. Yeah, he said that off mic. Yeah, he was was like. That got reported on Twitter. Yeah, I tweeted it out <laughs> Okay, <laughs> because it was right beside me, and I was, like, staring at him like, it's 8.30 in the morning here. We're not used to the central time business, so. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, that you know, that was just one thing. The thing that I think is most interesting is kind of the way they have it set up and, and broken down. You know, you have so many different student athletes that you can go talk to, so many different coaches that you can go speak with. And I guess one of the things I was a little surprised was was just the number of coaches that were willing to talk about pretty much everything that media members had to address. You know, you mm-hmm. see so many times guys like Nick Saban, uh, even a guy like Scott Frost sometimes dismisses questions, but they were pretty open. Like they understood the term media days. And I guess I was expecting a little more rough around the edges type stuff. But when you have guys that have been doing this for, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, I guess they're kind of accustomed to that. So I feel like I get the the sense that a lot of the coaches use that platform as the chance to uh, push agenda, not for their program so much as changes they'd want to see in all of college football. Do you pick up on that? I think so because I think it's a it's a safe place to do that because that's where you know a lot of these uh, reporters, even like myself, you know, you get. A couple coaches to get the same opinion on on something you know you talk lovey smith kirk ferentz um i think it was james franklin talking about having transparency in the transfer portal and then uh pat fitzgerald and james franklin talking about how they'd like to see the college football playoff readjust its criteria or the big 10 shift from uh the nine game schedule maybe to either eight or have other conferences start to play nine games so I feel like that's kind of their chance almost to vent a little bit and and talk about their criticism because, you know, you guys probably know if you watch those coaches' interviews, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on YouTube, or whether it's on Big Ten Network, you know, they're all focused on the team. So you mentioned something about the college football playoff. They're like, we don't have anything to worry about that. But now when it's an open forum and you have seven different people asking you similar questions – it's kind of hard to ignore. So they, they have that opportunity to kind of speak their mind, I guess. So how accessible is each coach, for instance? So, yeah, you have that 15-minute podium visit, and then when everybody's done after that two-and-a-half-hour slot or whatever it is, um, they kind of break it up. So you'll have – maybe you'll have three Maryland players, three Iowa players, and then you'll have uh, a Maryland and Michigan State coach. You know, so they try to split up the players and coaches, and it really depends on who you're wanting to talk to. For me, um, I knew 
a guy like Jim Harbaugh, you're not going to probably get much many questions asked to Jim Harbaugh or Ryan Day or even James Franklin. Or get very many questions answered from Jim Harbaugh. It, it, that's a good point. Yeah, you're going to get the <laughs> sure response. Um, but you, you go up to a guy like Chris Ash, and I literally was one of three people standing there asking Chris Ash questions. Yeah. And I have to say that I'm like – this is probably bad journalism on my part, but I'm like the guy who's like, oh, I feel bad for Chris Ash. I better go ask him a few questions so he oh, makes I, it worth the flight. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's easy to talk with some of these coaches. My my goal when I go in there is to talk to maybe some of the kids, like uh, Tino Ellis and Antoine Brooks and Anthony McFarland of, Mar- of Maryland, mm-hmm. very accessible. There's not a lot of Maryland or Washington media around there. Not okay. a, Maryland hasn't been a contender. So I went right up and I had one-on-one conversations with those guys. Um, and like I said, Chris Ash and, and a lot of, you know, Jeff Brom, Tom Allen, even PJ Fleck, those guys were pretty accessible. So it, it's nice uh, to go in there because then you can get more meaningful stories out of it. And you actually get what I think Media Days is supposed to be about, you know, trying to uncover... Um, what these kids, what these coaches are, are going through, and, and some personal stories that you may not otherwise get. Because, you know, once the season starts, everybody wants to know, you know, why aren't you able to make these catches? Why are you completing less than 40% of your passes, or whatever the case might be? So, uh, very accessible. I was surprised um, how accessible everybody was. I figured it was just going to be a swarm around each kind of individual podium, but that wasn't the case outside of, like I said, the Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day. Okay, so then, for instance, a team like Illinois, obviously, you know, I'm an Illinois fan, grad. Not a lot of success, but they're right there in the state. What kind of crowd was around Lovey? I would say he had a decent crowd, similar to like, a, you know, Kirk Ferentz, where it's kind of hard to explain. So they have basically essentially two rows of chairs, maybe five to seven in each row. And then you've got all these news people who are bringing their cameras around to these individual podiums. And there was a there was a consistent presence around Lovey Smith. Um, the chairs were f- full up, and a lot of it has to do with you know a lot of the Illinois and Chicago media. They're right there, so it's easy for them to make the day trip up. So it was um, pretty present. You could get to um, Reggie Corbin um, pretty easily, and some of the other guys they brought. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Alex Palchuski was a guy. I think that's yeah, how you pronounce his tackle. name. Yeah, he yes, was there correct. too, and, and I was able to talk with him. Uh, a little bit too so there there was some interest there from the from the illinois uh brand they they had a, a good following there especially with lovey okay so what about the uh media pecking order like is there kind of do you go down the 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 line of the tribune guys get the first questions can you say something about that well first of all i'd like to brag because i was the first person in the pj fleck individual session to ask a question to him so that nice. was my that was my little two to the horn there but there are definitely, I'm not going to say anybody by name, but there are definitely guys there who um, think that they have the right to ask whatever question they want. <coughs> and... <laughs> so, yeah, uh, there's, there's definitely guys there that uh, think that, that their question might be a little bit more important than others. No. Um, well, and one thing that bothered me, I'm going to point this out too, is on, I think it was the second day Purdue was there. And I overheard a guy say something along the lines of, well, I wish Rondale Moore was here. So I wouldn't, ha- or wasn't running late. So I wouldn't have to be stuck here for another couple hours. And I'm like, wow. at the same, you know, it's one of those yeah. things where 
you know, Rondale Moore doesn't owe you anything. I know it's media no. day, but <laughs> you and know, don't disrespect the other guy like that. It's crazy. Right. Okay. So right. somebody that, that grew up as a Purdue fan, this is something I've noticed. If you're a journalist, wouldn't you ask something not related to Rondale Moore? That, oh my God. There were, am I crazy here? I no. don't know. We talked about that in our previous podcast. And the thing, the thing about that is it's, it was like it would come in waves. So you can kind of jump around from coach to coach. So if you if you get your questions answered, you know, you can get up and leave and go visit or interview another player, another coach, what have you. But every time I sat at Jeff Brums for maybe 20 minutes because a lot of the journalists seemed to <laughs> disregard my question. I was in the back and couldn't shout it quite loud enough. But um, the thing is, Everybody was asking about Rondale Moore, and I'm like, how much are you going to write about this kid? Like, understand yeah. that he's great. And the same thing to me on the Nebraska side was with um, Adrian Martinez. You know, those were two guys that were just – Scott Frost was asked a lot about him. Rondale Moore um, was swarmed. Adrian Martinez was swarmed. And I'm just like, you guys have to come up with other content. Like, I asked a question about Purdue's schedule, and um, – you know, how they schedule such tough competition, at least since sure. Brahm's been there. And I'm just at the same time, like, man, you guys, there's got to be a different angle here because everybody's written everything under the sun about Rondale Moore, but maybe it's us what's getting page views. Maybe I could could learn a little something from well, that. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe this is my take. You, you tell me what you think. You're a younger guy. You still are energetic and trying to be, you know, have a better, fresher angle. Uh, different guys, 20 years older than you or so, they're just there collecting their paycheck, get, get in and out of Chicago. Maybe there's a little sense of that from, from some of the other guys. Uh, th- that could be the case. Like I said, because of some of the stories and the way people were talking in the background, they don't get as much use out of it, uh, of, of media days. And maybe that's because they cover one team. Uh, and that's why I think you'd have, try to get more interesting stories. But, you know, I, I would think there is some of that going on. Whereas, you know, someone like me, this is, you know, I, I, every Saturday I'm in front of a television for, you know, 14 hours. This is a this is a great chance for me to go out and talk with each individual player, try to come up with new story ideas, new angles, uh, things like that. And yeah, other guys are they're they're going for the big names and and they may be just in it for the paycheck. Who knows? What about like uh, what are your high points, low points, and then any like significant events as a college football nerd like us that you experienced at Media Days? So we were I, I was sitting down and right before Jeff Brom goes on to talk uh, for his fifteen minutes on the podium, Stuart Schweigert sits beside me, and maybe you guys remember he was a really good safety at Purdue in the two thousand. And now he is, uh, he does a radio show there locally in West Lafayette. And my wife actually has his jersey autographed in her closet. So I had to text her and say, you'll never guess who sat down beside me. And she was like, oh my gosh, you got to talk to him. You know, let's see if we can hook up dinner sometime with he and his wife. Or something. <laughs> um, so, but before I was able to uh, interact with him, uh, he had left. And it's not like you can just like, you know, start talking to them while these coaches are talking. There was enough space between me and him where it would have uh, interrupted Brahm's podium visit. But uh, so that was a little disappointing. But it was also pretty cool because, you know, this is a guy who I've kind of grown up idolizing. And now he's he's there for the same reason I am. You know, this is a guy that I watched on Saturday afternoons for, you know, shoot two, three, four years. 
and here he is sitting right beside me just an average guy just a cool dude um so that was that was kind of a, a neat experience for me even though i didn't get to uh, chat it up with him as much as i would have liked that's cool i'm getting a sense that you know you you're you're a journalist you're you're very professional with that but you still got the the fanness in you, you know? oh yeah and that's that's key i think if you can hold on to that as long as you can that's that's huge you know that that's what makes it fun to me uh if there wasn't some sort of fandom in me i it just wouldn't be as much fun and i wouldn't have as much fun doing this um each and every day there's got to be some sort of that passion some sort of that fuel uh to get you through it because it it i know a lot of people think it's going to be a dream job and it is i'm not going to say it's not but it's also a lot of hard work you know you got to put in 12 14 hour days uh so if you don't love what you're doing or have a specific team that you pull for every once in a while then uh you <laughs> those days can be really long okay so you mentioned the guy uh, complained about ron dale where where was the point where you're like, oh man, I wish they just get this damn thing moving? Like, did was there ever a lull, a dull moment for you? Well, the 15 minutes when Paul Chris was on stage was pretty close <laughs> to that. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as far as as far as getting everything moving, it is probably I think you guys and I might have the same sort of experience where it's just kind of a neat thing to actually be there for the first time. If it was my oh, ninth, or, if it was my ninth or tenth experience, I might have been like, sure. "Oh my gosh, this is let's let's get it moving." So I don't discount that. Maybe I have you know first time bias or whatever, but I can't think of anything where I was like, "Let's let's get this thing moving, let's okay. get it rolling." Um, be, and for me personally, it's because even when there was a lull, that I can write a story in that time. So you, having okay. covered fourteen teams, I can write a story about any one of those teams, a coach who has talked who players I've met with. So there's not really this lull for me. Whereas if you're covering Nebraska and Scott Frost hasn't talked yet, you know, you, you have probably a lot of time to kill. So back to Mark D'Antonio, when he said go green and then the, the, the reporter from somewhere in East Lansing said, go white. How awkward was that? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't get it. Was it? it? I, I have no idea who it was. It's just so, like, out of place. And I feel like it happens at every one of his press conferences, too. I think it does. Yeah. I, I, like, I don't know if that's someone who works for, like, maybe the school newspaper there or something. Well, that's I, what I always thought, but I'm I, not I sure have, that's true. I have no idea. Maybe it's just somebody they place in the crowd to do that. <laughs> because I've never seen anybody, like, I, I didn't see it, and... So I don't, I don't know, but okay. it's, it's always a right. little weird. So how about let's get to your predictions for each division. Do you want to go through east and west and tell us your one through seven? Yeah, I can do that. And uh, you guys feel free to stop me and disagree with me at any time. So I have Michigan at number one. I think Josh Gaddis running the offense there is a big deal. And with Shea Patterson and some of the weapons they have at wide receiver. Uh, and Don Brown is going to be have that defense as good as it's been again this year. Uh, and then at two, I've got Michigan State. I actually think, regardless of what happens, I think the winner of the Michigan-Michigan State game is going to be the winner in the East. Uh, three, I've got Ohio State, Penn State at four, Indiana at five, and then Rutgers and Maryland at six and seven. So that's my East division picks. Wow. 
So was that Rutgers six, Maryland seven? Yeah, yeah. I actually made a bold prediction, and I try to s- stick with these. That I know I'm not sure Maryland will win a Big Ten game this year, but that may wow. that may change because they've got Josh Jackson at quarterback, and they actually have some some decent recruits that were coming in. That was that was a prediction I made very shortly after the Mike Loxley hire. So Big Kurt and I do a deep dive on each team. We either do two or three teams per podcast. So we I've I've done research into all all teams up to this point. I will say uh, the deeper I looked into Maryland, uh, the the weaker they were looking. Yeah, I I kind of agree with that. But then uh, Keandre Jones got his his transfer approved. I think it was today. So that's one more addition. There's a, a few guys they added in the off season. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think that their I think their offense may be okay. Uh, I just am concerned about their defense. And when you talk about a coaching change and some of the guys they have on staff, it seemed like Loxley was just trying to find guys that would be willing to go with him to College Park. So yeah. that was that was my concern. I think they have some pieces. They may not go winless in the Big Ten, but I don't think they're gonna. I don't expect them to win more than four games this year. The one thing. I would point out is, and I think you can say this across a a big chunk of college football, not named Alabama and Clemson, which is every top team has either got one or two just glaring questions or even holes. Certainly that can be applied to the, you know, what's generally perceived to be the top four teams in the big 10 in Ohio state, Michigan, Michigan state and Penn state. There is something that if you are a fan of one of those teams that can actually see the holes, you know, that you're not so blind by your fandom, there's something that is a question mark for each one. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, there's always going to be, you know, those question marks. And the thing to me about Michigan that's going to be interesting is what what they're going to do at running back because they had um, Chris Evans, who was dismissed, Karan Higdon isn't there, and now you've got a bunch of inexperienced running backs. So... I, I don't know what the answer is going to be there. So that's a question mark. And then obviously Michigan State's entire offense, whether their offensive line can block. And Penn State, Penn State's got a lot of question marks. I just think they have enough talent to still finish in the top four in the East when you look at you know, the bottom there, Indiana, Rutgers, and Maryland. So Penn State, I think, is going to be good in a year or two, but I, they, they have a ton of question marks heading into this season, just because they're so young and they lost so much from a year ago. Yep. Okay, let's go uh, go into the West. Yeah, so the West, uh, maybe you will love this pick, maybe you will hate it, but I put the Golden Gophers at number one, followed by Iowa, and then Wisconsin at three, Nebraska at four, Northwestern at five, Purdue at six, and Illinois at seven. But I will say I wouldn't be surprised if those bottom two flip-flopped. Um, so I'm going to ask a, uh, a question that I hope doesn't ruffle the feathers too much, but with the Minnesota pick, this is just me asking a question, like how I think people would ask it on Twitter. (laughs) Is is there, is there a little bit of, you want to make a splash with that gopher pick to win the West? No. Um, in all actuality, when you look at what they bring back, on the offensive line. I think they've got four or five returning starters on the offensive line. They have three running backs, Mohamed Ibrahim, Rodney Smith, and Shannon Brooks, who have all led Minnesota in rushing at some point in their career. They have Tyler Johnson 
and Rashad Bateman at wide receiver and a few other options. Uh, the defense, I think, is going to be their biggest question mark, but you saw how improved they were from a, from the first half of the season when, when they fired Rob Smith for those last four games. They are still a really young team, so I don't expect them to be like a 10 or 11 win team. And we know they're a young team because PJ still yeah, wants to yeah. <laughs> every time he talks. He does, he does throw that little uh, lifesaver out there, doesn't he, each time? <laughs> uh, j- just in case things don't go his way, he makes sure that, to know that uh, they are still young. But, or, or maybe it's a lifeboat. Like, <laughs> oh, hey, I like that. You throw the oars in the lifeboat. Uh, but I, that is, I, I think a lot of people would say that that's probably me just trying to go against the grain. But I do think Minnesota has enough returning talent because even though they're young, they do have, I think, a lot of experience. So I, I think Minnesota is going to be really good this year. I Again, I could see the top two in that division flip-flopping. I could see Iowa at number one. With the question marks on defense for Wisconsin and Nebraska and uh Northwestern being such a wild card, I just I don't think that they have enough to sit at the top of the of the West Division. Do you, don't you feel that the overreaction, and I think this is both by Twitter and media people alike, the overreaction to suddenly I guess Wisconsin is just dead and buried. <laughs> That's the sense I get. Do you have any take on that? Well, I think. I feel like that's the case every year, and and maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong there, but it's like even if Wisconsin is coming off a 10 or 11 or 12 win season, they're like, ah, Wisconsin's there. They'll probably win the West, but they're not a real contender. So they're just kind of been the winner of the West because nobody else has stepped up and competed with them on a regular basis. I don't think Wisconsin's dead. I just think that they have some major question marks on defense because they lost a lot of guys at linebacker and in that secondary from last season. And I think they'll still be good, but I just don't know if they have the depth and talent other places because that offensive line, a lot of those guys are gone as well. So Jonathan Taylor is going to have to work a little harder for his yardage this year. So I'm actually interested to see, he'll probably still break 1500 yards, but he may have his lowest output of the year just simply because he doesn't have all those guys up front that have all the experience making giant holes for him. So the one that sticks out to me, Dustin, is Nebraska. Everyone seems to be on the Nebraska wagon. They, they're the, the the popular pick in the West, but you have them down at four, I think you said. Yep, I have them at four. What what do you what are their weaknesses? Why do you think that they are not one of the top teams in the West? The entire defense would be one reason. Uh, I. I am not understanding why some people are putting them. You talk about a splash pick, and when people say Nebraska in the same sentence as college football playoff, that's that's where you're getting your splash reaction. Uh, I just don't see it. I think, to me, this is the, the comparison I've made before. To me, it's Nebraska is going to be the 2018 light, light beer version of Ohio State because... They have the offensive talent to put up 35, 40, 45 points a game, but they have no defense. And they don't have the depth on the offensive side of the football this year to win games offensively like Ohio State did last year. Like, not consistently anyway. They may win seven, eight, maybe even nine games this year, but they just don't have the consistency, the leadership, the the veteran guys just yet to where they can score 
you know, 45, 50 points a game and win every game on their schedule, even though they've got a bad defense. And by... And I thought it was interesting. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I thought it was interesting how the Big Ten crew, uh, Donardo and the guys, they kind of almost went out of their way to, to bring up almost the exact same points you're talking about here on Nebraska. And the thing, the other thing to me is that a lot of this also gets tied to Scott Frost, and this is why I asked him that at media days, and he didn't seem too happy about it. But it seems like year one at Nebraska was not that great. Year one at UCF, not that great. So now they expect an undefeated season, college football playoff, Big Ten championship, what have you, just because he was undefeated in his second year at UCF. And it's a lot harder to go undefeated in the Big Ten than it is to go in the AAC. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think maybe people are taking that into consideration. Um, I, I, I don't know what the case is there, but he, that team is getting so much love and, I get it. I think they'll double their win total. I think they will get to eight wins, but I just don't think that they have the the power to win a division, a conference, or let alone make a splash in the college football playoff. Okay, one last question. We don't do a lot of national stuff, but can you give us your college football playoff predictions for the four teams? Yeah, I haven't really thought about that much, um, to be honest with you. I usually make those picks like the week before the season starts, but... I think Michigan gets there. I'll say that. I think Michigan gets there, and I think Clemson makes a return visit. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if, I, if if Georgia gets in there. Outside of that, I'm not, I haven't looked too, too much into the Big 12 or the uh, Pac-12 to see who's going to be dominant out there. I know a lot of people are going to like Oklahoma, especially with Jalen Hurts. But that's one that I uh, I take very seriously because you know last year I got one out of the four teams correct and it was Clemson so I have to I have to get to at least fifty percent this year <laughs> in my picks so I'll have a, I'll have some sort of pick uh, uh, college football playoff selection in a couple weeks but I would say three of the four teams I would put Michigan Clemson and I'm going to go with Georgia out of the SEC that fourth team is the one I'm a little iffy on right now I mean I think. All of us as college football fans are just trying, waiting to see if two different teams other than Alabama and Clemson, you know, make it in. I started looking at Clemson's uh, schedule and very quickly realized, yeah, they're uh, they're going to go undefeated during the regular season and win the ACC, which of course stands for another Clemson championship. <laughs> um, I like that. So I just, I, I can't imagine that Clemson doesn't make it in. I do have a weird sense that maybe the Bama run not come to an end, but I, I, I maybe just takes a little bit of a hiatus this year. I think Georgia has been so close the last two years. I just, I feel like Kirby smart is going to get Nick Saban this year. I just have, that's an instinct. It could be dead wrong because Nick Saban's like a thousand and one over the last, you know, however many years against sec teams. But I, I just have that sense that this might be the year Georgia finally gets it done, gets over the hump. Even though I know, again, like you said, they've got they've got some questions that they're going to have to answer before they um, worry about Alabama in an SEC championship game. I like your Georgia pick. I like Clemson too. I think the committee just gets Bama in there because they want him in there, and then Oklahoma would be my fourth team. Yeah, I would. I I can see Oklahoma. Like I said, the only reason I'm not quite as high is just because I haven't looked quite as hard at, at them just yet. But I could I could definitely see Oklahoma squeaking in there again. I mean, this is how crazy it's gotten. I mean, we don't talk, like Kurt said, a ton of national stuff. But 
I mean, I grew up certainly not a huge fan of Texas, USC, Michigan, for that matter. I would love to see Texas, USC, any of them, Michigan, just something, something new to mix it up. Well, l- yeah, let it, me it, ask you guys a question here. Do you do you miss the BCS? Because I'm at the absolutely. I'm at the point where I do. Yes. Well, it, it's yeah, a, we'll we'll go back even further. Yeah, we're, we like the bulls and bulls. Bulls and bulls. Well, there you go. I mean, to me, when when they were talking about a college football playoff, I thought they were going to take the how, how how many was it five six BCS bowls maybe it was just four, yeah. and take the two best uh, winners and and pair them off, and I wish they would have done that because I think it would have been a little bit more interesting had they done it that way. It certainly wouldn't have players skipping bowl games, the important bowl games. Well, my. Uh... I mean, we won't have to go too deep down this rabbit hole, but my idea is, is six teams, the five Power Five conference champions automatically get in and then a sixth place for some sort of wild card. There are people nationally that absolutely lose their mind because they believe that, you know, oh, God, there, there'll there be some whatever eight and four pit team that upsets Clemson and gets in. Well, guess what? So be it. Number one, it's not going to happen hardly ever. And the fact of the matter is, Every team that laces up right now in August, you know, training camps have just started, literally has a chance to make it into the college football playoff instead of this friggin' invitational that we have now, because that's what it is. It, it's an invitational. It is. Right. And you know what's funny to me is I this tweet came out shortly after I think the college football season ended last year. It was something about how college football was right now the only sport in which everything was and this was from a national writer if i remember correctly it was how college football playoff was the only system in which it took merit into consideration and and chose the best teams based on talent and i'm like college football is literally the only sport in which opinion matters so i don't i don't know um where you were going with that but it's i think it depends on where you live if you're in the sec you obviously love the playoff because you've been in every year and you got you're the only conference to get two teams in but if you live elsewhere i think people are starting to realize that this is probably not the best system and isn't going to last probably too much longer past whatever the contract is you better be careful with those sec comments they might have your your place bugged <laughs> i don't know a little bit nervous yeah. right now. yeah they're probably going to be searching up my address here on the internet before too long <laughs> Yeah, I personally, I'm not a fan of uh, expansion. I'm a fan of contraction. So I'd like to contract down to two and then eventually down to zero to the bulls and poles. Um, so, Dustin, uh, thank you very much for being here. Uh, this has been Dustin Shooty, SaturdayTradition.com. You can find him on Twitter, at Tradition, at Shooty CFB, and that's S-C-H-U-T-T-E-C-F-B. Thanks a lot, Dustin. Kurt, Jeffrey, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Awesome, thanks. So awesome interview, uh, Dustin Shooty, great uh, behind great dude. the scenes, great um, stuff. If you guys hit me up uh, on Twitter and pay me, I might give you a couple things he gave us off the air. Yeah, we're... <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Dustin. We're gonna keep all that stuff, uh, all that stuff uh, quiet. But looking forward to hanging out with him next year at Media Days. Yes, yes, and we're gonna see if we can even coax him into. We got to get that stadium number up. For we got to bump that up. Yeah, yeah we got to get sure. that to four or five before the yeah. end of the season for uh, for stadiums he's at. So um, that's it, right? That's all we got, man. Okay. Um, this is Jeffrey the Greek and Big Kurt. We really appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.